This episode is not suitable for audiences. You're listening to Amazingly X Terrible, the spin-off podcast that reviews the 1981 series Starfleet X-Bomber. My name is Adam. My name is Matt. My name is David. And I'm Derek. And this week, we're going to launch right into the first episode of this series. Uh, this was inspired by the fact that we randomly rolled episode 14 on a previous regular podcast episode, and we decided to devote a spin-off to go through this wonderful little bit of Japanese television. Yeah, we decided our lives weren't meaningless enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm actually finally sparking joy in my life right now. Wow. So I am Marie Condoing this X Bomber series. This one condoed you up, man. You're all condoed inside now. It did. Okay, so uh this week uh we're going right into the first episode of Starfleet X Bomber, which is called Scramble X Bomber. This show was essentially a super marionation style show, just like some of the Gary Anderson's works that he had done. Uh, with the puppets back in, like, I think in like the 60s. It drew heavily on a lot of science fiction at the time. It was produced in the early 80s, so there's a lot of influence of Star Wars, kind of some of the other stuff that, without giving too much away, but like super mech robots and space cruisers. And it's very, if you watch the show, there's a lot of stuff that you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's ripped directly out of a, a Star Wars film. It was aired in Japan in... Uh, all 24, 25 episodes were aired from 1980 to 1981, and then it was picked up in English language in, I believe, 1982 and aired in England, uh, and then it came over to syndicated American television sometime thereafter. And the show is not marionettes, so as, as we watch it, there are very few scenes where you see the lower half of the puppet. Yeah, th- because they're so actually... It- yeah, instead of thinking you're seeing a puppet, think, I'm seeing the pudgy, sweaty hand of a Japanese otaku. <laughs> yes. And other, otherwise than that, it's just, it's just fucking awesome. Oh, it's, it's just, pure gold. It is amazing. I mean, this is why we picked it for Amazingly Terrible. Like, the, the opening yeah. line to that, that episode on the pod was essentially, like, this show is amazingly terrible. It's great. So Amazingly Terrible is the podcast that we normally do where we pick shows and the episodes at random. Do is a strong word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's our side project. project. Well, that's our project. This is our side project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the, this is the show we're hitting on the side. I think I think the Amazing and Terrible is our side project and Amazingly X Terrible is our side side project. Uh, I don't know. X Terrible is life. X Terrible is life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards X Terrible's life. Now, I do have to say, with this week's episode, there was a lot more detail that I did not get in the previous week's episode, because obviously we're now going back and watching the first episode of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this episode very vaguely explains a lot of the things we had questions about last time. Yeah, um, yeah. It, in, in a disappointing way, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's just launch right into it, right? So we go through the same, we go through the opening montage, which was played by a Japanese metal band named Bow Wow, uh, and the music in the show is pretty pretty baller. Um, Oh man, great musical cues, great synth track. 
Oh, yeah. yeah it's music, music is standout. Yep, 100% 80s synthwave type stuff. The opening shot of the show starts out, and we see the front of what we knew from last week was the Imperial Battlecruiser, and with no introduction whatsoever. There's just this big dildo-shaped ship just flying mm. right at the fucking camera. Yeah. It's totally a Death Head transport. Oh, it is. It definitely uh, yeah, looks like a Death yeah. Head transport. That or yeah. a Space Hulk. I, I, I get more and more serious uh, Warhammer 40k vibes. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. Cut to the interior of the ship, and it zooms in on a a female antagonist. Her name is Commander Merica, and she's telling her <laughs> underling Fuck Commander. Yeah. I forget his name. Commander Scorpion Helmet. It's a centipede helmet. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. It's a centipede. Yeah, helmet. you Sorry. piece of shit. Get it right. <laughs> what do I call it? A scorpion helmet. Yeah. You you sicken me. Oh god, I'm sorry. All right, so they're coming out of hyperspace, and they've got this crew full of robot insectoid things. We're not really sure if they're alive or if they're robots, and they're coming up on, I think they they mentioned that they're going to Earth, and they're throwing around a lot of space-based terms that make no sense. Quantum speed, hyperspeed, yeah. parsecs, they're just yeah. throwing shit out there. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they're doing it in the worst faux Japanese accent I've ever oh, heard. Yeah. It's... Yes. It's ear grating. We're out of Thalian zone now. Yes, Commander Makara. Ten parsecs. Slow from hyperspeed. Slowing down from hyperspeed. Immediately thereafter, the Emperor from Star Wars calls her on the Hall of Vision that he has installed in the Super Star Destroyer to talk to Darth Vader. And she turns to the side, and you realize that she has a symbiotic head on the side of her head underneath her helmet, which might be attached to her helmet. Oh, yeah. And that's the head that she uses to communicate with the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Not her humanoid face. We thought it was an eye patch last time, but it turns out she's got a total stampede situation going on. (laughs) Yeah, I got one thing to say. Shwing! Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) This is what did it for me. When I was like, holy shit, she has a head on her head, (laughs) and it speaks with a male voice. Now, yep, I, I, I don't say this did give me a partial chub, but it wasn't quite, <laughs> didn't quite get me there all the way. So. Was this oh, Guado from Total Recall? Guado, where he opened yeah, his yeah. shirt? Yeah, 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 she's like Guado, but it's on her head. And that's how yeah. she communicates with the Emperor. And she's, it's clear, it's clearly like it controls her brain. It's like some sort of fucking symbiote yeah. that's in her helmet. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Oh, I thought you were just catfishing her boss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right prior to this, they, they mentioned that there's a, a star cruiser out in front of them, and the Emperor tells her, like, hey, you can destroy shit, but don't destroy too much shit to keep your mind on the mission at hand. Yeah. Yeah, and essentially, like, proceeds to destroy you can destroy everything the, in her fucking path. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You can destroy no Earth. It, it, destroying Earth is fun and all, but there's something else. Yeah, basically. there's something else involved. But she did say that her primary motivation was that the galaxy is spread out before them to be conquered, and they were going to start by conquering Earth. Right. So she's which trying to is, conquer the whole galaxy. Which is crazy because the solar system is located in the inner part of the Milky Way, and she's on the edge of the galaxy. Yeah, and Again. she wants to work her way out. That's what it is. But she's next to fucking Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they arm the laser torpedoes, and they shoot. They, they call it a star cruiser, but it's more like a star fighter. Anyways, they blow it up. Some poor it's, fuckheads driving it. And yeah, he's like, and he's he's go. he's clearly a refugee from Top Gun. Like he he's yeah. wearing a flight suit right out of the 1980s. Now he is surprised to find an alien cruiser, but he's not surprised to find aliens, which leads us to believe that there has to have been some sort of alien contact in the past. Well, we're gonna well, get to that. I have very, big questions. Exactly. Yes. The very next scene 
is what actually sets the background for the show. It tells us that it is the year 2,999. Mm-hmm. In, um, in the most amazing voiceover. This is the kind of voiceover I used to remember from like um, the films you would see in school when they bring out the old school projector. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, they, and it had they a would... different separate audio track in the right. actual video. Oh yeah, and it was so, it's so soothing and smarmy, and he yeah. tells you these very important things in like the the most monotone white man voice. The year is two thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Space War Three has ended. The galaxy is once again enjoying a time of peace. So, in an amazing. Bit of writing. We find out it's the year 2,999, months after the conclusion of, and this was my point, Space War 3. Space War 3. This is what got it for you? This (laughs) is what called it Space War 3. Schwing. Everybody in space wouldn't use any of their, you know, local space cartography descriptors. No. Everybody's just going to be like, hey, this is Space War 3. That's space. We had a big fucking war. This is the third of the the series, Space War 3. So that explains why he's not surprised to see aliens because they mentioned that earth had gotten smacked and earth was digging out from underneath the rubble from space War. it's yeah, not clear know. if space war three was fought amongst humans or fr- against humans against aliens see, but that, it that sure was my seems question. like yeah it sure seems like it's there were other forces involved that, yeah yeah and they're just sort of glossing over it in the background it's not even something that are going to probably readdress yeah. at any point in time so i mean it, they, they show earth whatever city this is and it's fucked up like at the to the left side of the screen you know they're at the, the earth defense force command center or whatnot which is what, what we assume is that because that's the very next scene after and like the spires on the left hand side are definitely destroyed like they are crumbling the model work in this is actually really nice like uh, a lot oh, of the exterior yeah. shots and the background paintings look sweet yeah but in that voiceover, they did also say that uh, Pluto was the first line of defense yeah. for uh, Earth or it's for the or Earth Defense Force. Yeah. yeah. So it does see, stand to reason that there is some sort of ex, some sort of influence from outside of the solar system that's coming in and attacking Earth at some point in time. Yep. But it still doesn't clear like, oh, were these like humans that were sent out to go colonize Alpha Centauri that are then coming back to destroy Earth or or what for the previous space wars? That is. Yeah, so. all we know is that this is Space War 3. And it's yeah. all I know is we yeah. need to spend 20 minutes talking about this. We do. <laughs> <laughs> or or we start our new spin-off 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 mm. podcast Space where, Space we, War where we write Space War 3. Yeah, Space Warhead geo- canon. The, the geopolitical relations of Space War 3. So whatever Space War 3 is, it's it's done. Well, we can't understand Space War 3 without understanding Space War 2. Exactly. You can't understand Space War 2 without understanding Space War 1. That's right. Please, World War which, was what we called it. which was called the Great Space War at the time. Fuck, you beat me to it. <laughs> God damn it. I think we were all trying to make that joke, but David just had it going. David had it all lined up. Yep. It's like he can cat backwards from 3 down to 1. So do you think in between Space War 2 and Space War 3, they had the Cold Space War? Yep. I do. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was the Iron was Asteroid the- Field. Yeah, ooh, excellent. Wow, Do you think it was nice. the EDF versus the Imperial Fleet? I would actually guess no, because these guys seem to be a new enemy. Like, yeah, even they, though they know they're yeah. aliens, they don't know who they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The way they react later to the moth-based jerk-off monster 
It makes me feel like that there's there's at least some familiarity with yes. alien creatures. Yeah. Yeah. So moving along, they they swap scenes to the interior like command and control of the Earth Defense Force, and the first mm-hmm. thing as a viewer that you notice is that evidently their jumbotron screen got destroyed because they've got a guy in a chair on a giant arm that moves around the screen, and he has yeah. to position shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that is the best job in command. I know, right? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. everybody's making decisions, and he's just sitting on this this. You know what I thought of? Remember the remember the things back in the eighties for people who are elderly to get up and down stairs. Stairmasters, like the lifts. not the stairmaster is what you climb to get in shape. Oh. The lifts, like in Gremlins yeah, two, yeah, like he fucks that lady up on it. Yeah, it's yeah. Gremlins. It's like one. that, or w- was it one? <laughs> yeah, Gremlins yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyways, he's like on one of those, but it goes around this map of the solar system that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But whatever, he puts yeah. shit on there, and that's how they know where the baddies are. So that's when you find out that Pluto is helmed by Captain Carter. He's out in Pluto. They're like, oh, my God, it's Captain Carter. Pull him up. <laughs> and they turn on this fucking screen, yeah. and it's a fucking beatnik yeah. standing there at his mic doing slam poetry with a cigarette in his hand. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's like this. He's like a combination of a beat poet, a Sandinista, and the Unabomber. Oh, yeah. And he's in really terrible lighting, too. So you yeah, can't yeah. see anything other than the <laughs> fact that he has a haircut like he is a bard from the year 1412. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, got, ma- he's got sunglasses, a beret, and a luscious mane of hair. Yeah. What the fuck is oh, he yeah. doing with sun? <laughs> <laughs> that was yours, David. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, but it's not even like a, yeah. it's not even like a military beret. It's like the beatnik, yeah, yeah. French beret. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what the fuck is he doing with sunglasses on Pluto? Exactly. <laughs> because he's fucking Captain Carter. Because he's so true. cool, the sun even shines on him when he's on Pluto. Yeah, he's like, I'm on Pluto. Only the very <laughs> strongest of rays make it this far. That's why I gotta wear these sunglasses. So, this is when Captain Carter decides he's going to scramble all the fighters to go fight the Imperial Battlecruiser. Yeah, mm-hmm. they ask him for a plan of action, and he's just like, I'm throw just everything at it. Throw wave after wave of my own men. <laughs> right. And then we get the scene of the weakest scramble I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, everybody's just kind of hanging out. <laughs> and they're like, stand by, number one. Salute. <laughs> Puts his visor down. Stand by, number two. But we get a kick-ass synth track as these oh, start yeah. to leave the uh, docking bay. Yep. These are some ugly designed models, by the way. They, they, look, they look like mixing bowls that they've taped wings to. Yes. Mm-hmm. So after we get this, the fighters scramble out and we get this cool formation scene of them going away, it, go, it cuts back to the command and control bunker on EDF base Pluto. And we are now in much better lighting and we learn two things. Thing number one we learn is that Captain Carter is Doug Funny from the Nickelodeon cartoon Doug's sister, Judy Funny. And all of the other fucking people on Pluto dress like beatniks. Yeah. yeah, and they all, all have his haircut. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, yeah, like you kind of get uh, the feeling why the military posted these guys on. Pluto. <laughs> 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 yeah. Nice, nice. So, uh, predictably, so the uh, the fighters go out against a. 
I mean, if the last fighter-shaped ship they blew up was a cruiser, these are even smaller. And a bunch of the fighters come in, and they really don't do anything. Yeah. They just get smoked. You do see they, them shooting and hitting the uh, Imperial cruiser, but but nothing's happening, basically. Their, their weapons are yeah. ineffective, and they just get... All of them get destroyed with one hit. I do like lead though, because he was like, "Let's give him a laser torpedo show," yeah. and then <laughs> summarily gets blown up. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's because the the spaceship has a drawn-in laser posts as a post effect, and it's very wiggly, and it seems to shoot from any part of their ship directly to yeah. the Earth ships. Yeah. So cue back to EDF, and then <laughs> a a. Long, silver-haired man with a closely cropped silver beard walks out and essentially... Incredibly impatient. Yes, he's like, what's the outcome of the battle? Like, there's no, like, tactic or anything. He's like, did we win? And they're like, no. And he's like, oh. Well, he he asked, like, five questions before he gave them a chance to answer even the first one. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, this is general. And everyone yeah. so salutes him, and the salute is basically the Curly Stooge anti-Ipoke defense. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to assume that the aliens that they were fighting were, um, they had human-esque hands, because that's how they protect their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the new military. So after he finds out that the wave of, all the waves of starfighters, all 12 of them, got blown all, up. All the Plutarchians. Yep. He just—he's like the only hey, man. thing that we can do. We all is, got blown up, man. Is we've got to—we've got to fire up our most top secret project ever, and he's pretty much like, "Hey, get me Ben on the moon on Facetime." Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. And so they call up Ben, who we find out is Doctor Ben. He's the astrophysicist assigned to Project X on the moon, and General. I don't even think he has a name, says to, to Dr. Ben, hey, you got to get Project X off the ground. And Ben is like, no, it's only 90% complete. And then they're like, that's mostly done. And yeah. the general's like, I don't want to send any more pilots to their death, which he's literally doing by activating Project X. Yeah, I was actually yeah. just about to say <laughs> the same thing. If I was Dr. Ben, I'd be like, then why the fuck are you throwing pilots at my experimental project yeah right hold off well ben ben is at first he's like well i also don't want to kill the the young pilots but he's like but send me your best ones to kill (laughs) and and the best i know we've been using a lot of use of the word best the best part of that exchange is the general of all of earth's defense force knows precisely who the three fucking cadets he wants to send in way down in cadet land and that's Shiro, whatever his last name is, who has his name written on his helmet. Did Shiro Hagen. Yeah. That? Shiro yes. Hagen. Yeah. yeah, he's got his. So, again, it's not, he's so it's fucking not special. His it's written it's, on the outside of his helmet. Yeah, his it's mommy wrote it letters. there. His mommy wrote it on the outside of the of the helmet that keeps his head from deforming when he do, sleeps. Do you think that he was actually like a special education kid and like yes. he's got the helmet to protect himself? I had from noticed it last time. His name is written in huge red letters on his helmet, and it's uh. not like. His last name, like Ohati or whatever it is, it's Hagen. Shiro. Uh, yep. So then he knows when he goes into the locker room, I need Shiro. It's Shiro Hagen. Yeah. 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 And then he, <laughs> then John Lee, who is about as wide as he is tall. With and I, a, I did not recognize last time when we were watching this, but he's wearing 
a fucking oh. wizard's robe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's wearing, like, he, he. they dressed him up like the white mage from Final <laughs> Fantasy. You know John Lee plays the wizards, wizard when they play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, well, of course. Yeah. Shiro plays a paladin. <laughs> fucking Barry Hercules plays a bard. Yeah. Shiro <laughs> plays a wizard. I mean, sorry. So, J- John Lee plays a wizard. John, Yeah, John Lee plays a wizard. Yeah. So the next the next shot is of our three heroes, and we have we've pretty much described them. Well, Barry Hercules, we just should say, is wearing camo. Bar- like, the funny thing is, we had talked about this last time. Is Barry Hercules as kind of insubordinate as he is in his verbal exchanges with other members of the military? Is the only one who's dressed like he's in the military? Yeah, yeah. he's the only one that's wearing fatigues. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, Shiro, we got one guy. Shiro's one wearing a LARP uniform. Yeah, Shiro's in a straight jacket with his name written on his helmet. Shiro's <laughs> cosplaying as Luke Skywalker is what he's doing. Uh-huh. He's got the open vests. <laughs> but Barry at least has a well-put-together military uniform, a big fro, and he has his... I thought he was going to play his guitar in the scene. And yeah, Barry can't play guitar for shit. Yeah. Well, they, like, Barry has a guitar, but he can't play at all, period, whatsoever. It's not like... Mary had a little lip. No, it's just like ring. No, he just terrible. he just holds the guitar when he's anxious. Yeah, yeah. Because we the, yeah. we meet them and they are in the shuttle getting sent to the moon. Yeah, they're on they're on the moon shuttle. I think they actually say they're on the moon star cruiser. Like saying that's like a military shuttle. Yeah, but they're clearly like yeah. in the loading bay. Like they they yeah, no. they don't <laughs> have so, bunks or anything. They're so low on the totem pole that they don't get, like, a stateroom. Here is my theory, and I think this helps explain a lot of the situation. My theory is that Space War Three so dramatically decimated the Earth population that there's really very few people left. Okay. Which is why the general knows the three best cadets, and also why the three best cadets are these fucking dweebs. (laughs) (laughs) So it really is like the entire population of Earth is in... Starfleet, and it really is just sort of like a handful of people at this point in time. There's like 15 people on Earth. (laughs) I mean, as as we've seen in the later episode, these three are very competent, like young men, pilots, like like warriors or whatever. But (laughs) I like that you're trying to humanize these (laughs) these bits of these bits of fluff wrapped around a human hand. They are a fucking motley goddamn crew. And then so they, they roll in and they meet uh, Dr. Ben. And yeah. this is where the infamous scene or the, the awesome scene from the uh, <laughs> from the opening the credits intro. comes in. Yeah. With the they... intro. And they go, I'm space pilot Hagen, sir. I'm space pilot John Lee. And then Barry goes, I'm Barry fucking Hercules, Doc. And yeah. then the doctor goes, that's Dr. Ben to you. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. He's like, it's no, Dr. I'm... Dr. Ben, if you please. Yes, I, uh, I'm a doctor, but I'm a friendly doctor. Who has nothing but widow's peaks all over his face. Yeah, he's one, 200% widow's peak. His hair, actually, uh, he doesn't have the kind of hair we have. Every hair expands from the base in a big fan. Uh, yes. They're all widow's peaks that yeah. come out of a single hair follicle. Like, like you said, it's like a fractal pattern. Yeah, yes. Of widow's peaks. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The deeper you go, the more widows there are. It's like a widow's pyramid scheme. Yeah. So many um, microscopic men have uh, shipwrecked on his face that there's nothing but mm. widows. I think there's a fucking jizz joke in there somewhere. <laughs> 
I don't know. So I like Adam's response. <laughs> so, just, so anyway, sigh. <laughs> so anyways, he he introduces us to the uh, the other crew members. Uh, the first person that or the first thing that we introduce to is uh, PPA, which is perfectly programmed Android. He is a basketball with three arms, two legs, and a gripper claw claw for a crank that he lands on. Yeah, <laughs> you pick that up. He lands dick first into the table. He's always landing on a stick. Just yep. he, bam. He's basically a flying grabber machine from Denny's that yeah. you can yeah. never get to to from, grab stuffed animals for you for from fifty Dave cents. From Dave Buster's. Yeah. yeah. The next character we are introduced to is Lamia, who is like female Shiro. What a intro she gets. We start on her non-existent legs, and we slowly pan up her, com- yes, we do. her completely covered body. <laughs> and her amazing bangs. Tell Tommy, we re- yeah, we reveal that she is all bang. <laughs> yep, 100% bangs. Uh, and Dr. Ben introduces her as his secretary and radar operator, and my favorite line from the episode is uttered right after... I think it's Barry Hercules, but I'm not 100% sure. Someone in the background goes, you can use your radar on me. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it really is like like somebody added that in post. <laughs> yeah. like Even ADR, so yeah, like, <laughs> it's like it's like Patton Oswalt came in to punch yeah, yeah. it up. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Here's the thing that gets me though is, and this again adds into my theory about there basically being no one left on Earth. She walks in, and these three dudes they go from zero to objectify in like point three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> like the second she walks in, they're all like, "I want to have sex with her." So she's like the last woman on Earth, basically. More or less. <laughs> but when they showed Earth's essentially, ter- or Mars's, ter- not, sorry, not Mars, Moon's terminal in the fucking Moon spaceport, there was a bunch of female characters. There's this, That's true. At least they were all like four. walking around the, um, yeah. the yeah, like, let, space let mall me, or whatever they wanted to call it. Anyways, then we meet the alien that's on the crew. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't say that he's an alien. They don't, yeah. It's very clear it's a fucking alien. It could it just be like, it could just be Lamia's like a, brother in an alien suit. A cockroach had sex with the abominable snowman and that's yes. what popped out. <laughs> Look, it's it is a moth based jerk off monster. <laughs> <laughs> Named Kirana. Yes. And that's all they tell us. Oh there yep. you go. <laughs> and we all the uh, time we get to see it is like extreme close up of it like Basically jerking off at us. Well, and, well, and that's the best part too. Is they introduce it by, like Lamia walks in the room, the the basketball machine like flies in and sits on the table. And then the and evil this... jerk off monster is literally directly behind Pilot Hagen's chair yeah. and sneaks yeah. up on him, going. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you ever seen the movie Purple Rain? And when the, in the opening sequence of that movie, you have like Prince riding his bike his motorcycle across his field or whatever. And then if I remember correctly, it's the female lead is in like a club and then Q scene right. Prince just is like behind her and just <laughs> comes onto the scene and just kind of stands behind her. That's pretty much how they introduce this alien. Yeah. I kind of like they might have actually gotten that's an experience that a lot of women had with Prince. <laughs> <laughs> he just shows up. He just emerges this uh Four feet, two inches of terror. Well, I think the Charlie Murphy skit did it correct. He was like, he just showed up behind us and was like, I'll make you pancakes. (laughs) So, anywho, uh, the very next scene is... Well, 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 hold on. Because they say, this is like right after they're abducted to find Lamia, this this moth thing shows up and and the doctor says, 
you know, be careful how you uh, treat Lamia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because then the moth jerk-off yeah. monster will get you. Yeah. Well, I think they do specifically reference the moth jerk-off monster as being Lamia's protector, right? They do. Yeah. And then, but also, don't they say they don't really know what the fuck it is? No, they just say, yeah. watch out, basically. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Like, they don't even address what, like, what it is at all. They're just like, yeah, yeah no. d- don't fuck with that thing. <laughs> they act completely normal, like it's just meant to be there. Yeah. Well, and, it's, it's kind of like a bodyguard, but really it's more of a hymen guard. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Yikes! Jesus. Oh, uh, he's a chastity uh, monster. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So <laughs> that's fucking... why he's jerking off all the time, because he's yes. a chastity monster. <laughs> he's a chastity monster. <laughs> so immediate, quick cut to the Imperial cruiser, Star Destroyer, whatever the fuck this thing is. Yeah, they're now have increased their speed, and Captain America is like, let's let's wreck Pluto, launch all of our fighters and, and cruisers. Yeah, and so, so they put out ships that put out more ships. Yeah. yeah, they fly insect ships out that drop insect-shaped starfighters. Cue scene cut to Captain Beatnik and the Doug's sister army on Pluto. And then there is a, I don't know what, a couple minute long scene of a soundstage getting blown up. Yep. For lack of a better term. Yeah. And I'm curious, do they do this in every episode? Because there was a ground attack sequence in episode 14 as well, in which they went to this this soundstage-looking thing, and they just had an impressive display of pyrotechnics. Uh, yeah, well, impressive in that it was miniature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they're blowing shit up and lighting stuff on fire. It was awesome. There's a lot of smoke. There is a There's lot, a lot of, smoke. of smoke. I'll give you that. There's a lot of sparks coming off. They weren't using smokeless gunpowder. And in this in this whole scene, we basically see that there was no way for the ground defenses to be able to defend themselves. They basically were just completely no. destroyed without hesitation. And it culminates and ends with a slow pan through the operation center of the Pluto base mm-hmm, onto yes. Captain Carter... Who is I just, love his death scene. Who's just he leaning just, up, leaning up against the chair, <laughs> and the, just the camera shakes down into it, and then just like suddenly just falls as if the the puppeteer just removed his hand from his ass and let him fall down. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, this was straight. when I went swing. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Captain Carter. Nothing Paul's like a strong word. death. Yeah, Paul's just a strong word. He lays down. He just lays down. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And this was the total, the doctor's going to need to get more bandages. Moment. So do you think that so. when working on this show, the special effects guy from White Snake was like, this is job security. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Yes, exactly. All right, so cue back to our, our heroes, and Dr. Ben is actually showing them what Project X is, mm-hmm. and that's where we kind of learn it's a starship, which is the name of the show, X-Bomber. Then they are summoned by General... And he tells them that they have grave news, and he presents to them the fact that Pluto has essentially been overrun. The alien starship is on our way; it's its way in, and we need to get Project X Bomber off the ground to go and fight it. And watching the general just talk is very distracting because there's some sort of mechanical yeah. way that his beard flips up when his mouth opens. Yeah, and yeah. it's 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 like he's a little, like a tiny little nutcracker. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how anybody doesn't stare at his beard when they're talking to him. Yeah. All right. So General tells them that Pluto's been overrun. We've got to launch it. 
I think they make another their another mention of essentially it's it's only ninety percent completed. <laughs> Someone mm. essentially goes, Well, that's a that's an A. You're good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Doctor Ben does a serious uh, one eighty here. Yeah, right after does. this scene. Yeah, well, we get a little bit of motivation for our our trio of misfits and the fact that they knew Captain Beatnik at Cadet Training School. Yeah, and that he just decided to like up and go to Pluto. He was and their was... Uh, music appreciation teacher. Yeah, that's right. And he went to the loneliest outpost in all of yes. Earth Defense Force. It's like he went there to die. Oh, yeah. Cue a completely useless scene of the guy in the chair updating the big command board in the EDF headquarters with now more red arrows coming from Pluto towards Earth. What would have been great is if that he, he had just slapped a big <laughs> X over Pluto. <laughs> that, yeah. that would have been awesome. So, anyways, and then actually go to a scene which I thought of all the goofy shit they put in this show was actually very accurate and that our three cadet space pilots, who are now space pilots, were all like, so you want us to go fly that with literally zero training and we have no clue how to operate any of the systems or do any of the stuff on it, but we're going to take this and we're going to sail it up against an Imperial Star Destroyer that's somewhere in between Pluto and here and we're going to win and (laughs) Dr. Ben's like... So y'all are a bunch of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, his his quote is something like, you're a pussy if you don't want to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. And they're like, but we literally have not been trained at all whatsoever. Yeah. And he's like, fuck you, you whip bitches, and walks off. My, yeah. my favorite is actually the perfectly programmed robot or perfectly programmed computer or whatever he calls himself. Gets yeah. in that final dig as he's flying away, going like, "I thought they sent us pilots." Yeah, he's really he's really rubbed salt in there, Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, things happen later. We know in this show, but I just want to say, I now know why that little thing gets this shit kicked out of him. <laughs> <laughs> he's a dick. I mean, yeah. I I hate everyone in this show, and I really hate him. <laughs> <laughs> so we have an exchange between our our. Our heroes and two of the three, Barry and Shiro, are like, yeah, let's do this. And John Lee's like, no, I'm not fucking doing this. And then (laughs) Barry turns to John Lee and goes, John Lee, don't you want to be a hero? And John Lee's like, yeah, I guess so. I'm okay. Let's go. (laughs) 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 He gets peer pressured into it. (laughs) Absolutely. He's he's so susceptible (laughs) to peer pressure. (laughs) Hey, dude, it's not peer pressure. It's just your turn. Okay, I'll do it. Hey, so, do you want do you want to get hooked on heroin? No, I don't no, want to. No, but no, here's no. some. Okay, <laughs> all right, let's give it a shot. And they go talk to the doctor, and they roll in, and they're like, "We're in." And the doctor's like, "All right, take your battle stations. We're launching in five minutes." And they magically know what to do. Yeah, they know exactly where to go from here on. I still like Doctor Ben's attitude here. He's just like, "Sit your bitch asses down." He's like really sick of their shit. Yeah, his attitude. Between this episode and the one that we originally watched is night and day. He evidently warms up to our group of heroes because he is not having any of their shit right now. Well, in all fairness, in the last episode we watched, he did shut them down every time. They were like, hey, can we uh, can we go do something? And he's just like, fuck you. We're in standby. <laughs> right. Go back to your room. Yeah, I <laughs> That's pre- true, but he wasn't. I prefer like- to wander aimlessly. 
Yeah. He wasn't a super dick to him. Which no, he, he, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't, like, negging them. Yeah. <laughs> so then we go into... You think he did it to, like, try to get their salaries down or something? <laughs> yeah, Probably. Something like that, yeah. We roll into what in real time or in showtime is five minutes. Real time is probably about a minute and a half. It's not a montage. It's just a start sequence of a X-Bomber. It really doesn't no, do anything other it's, than it's just them turning systems on. No, this is supposed to be their uh, the beauty shot, isn't it? Yeah. This is like them doing like the money shot of the spaceship. Like yeah. you, you do in every Star Trek series. Or movie. It could be. This is what you get when you, your director is also your model maker. And he's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. Now spin it. Yeah. Spin oh, it yeah. slowly. Oh, this part, this. it lights up. Oh, it oh, lights up. Let's watch this part vent some steam. <laughs> this, this scaffolding we're going to have pull away in this direction. And so they, they get to the countdown of five seconds. And it's five, four, three. Dr. Ben asks for the engines to go on. They turn the engines on. Two one and then you can understand right away why this ship was only 90 percent complete because instead of pushing the power levers forward to take off he pulls them backwards which means that they were rigged entirely <laughs> fucking wrong and that this thing is a flying sack of shit yeah yeah somebody put in inverse control mechanisms basically yeah he tried so, to push them up nice. and it literally shut the motors off and he's like god fucking damn it i feel and for he these, has to pull them all the way back to fly i feel for these guys when they go into the head and they go to wash their hands and all they get is cold water or they go to flush the toilet, and the toilet just shoots a big water jet out of it. <laughs> right, yeah. Boom, turd right into the fucking ceiling. Boom. Anyway, so we see the, the quality of government contracting on the X-Bomber there. It wasn't done, wow. but it's the best hope for humanity. I didn't know that we were going to uh, get so political on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, takes <laughs> off. How about those clowns in Congress? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, it takes off. <laughs> The X-Bomber is actually a pretty cool design. It's like an X-Wing had sex with a pterodactyl and then out popped this yeah. thing. With like a little it, bit of but, Serenity mixed in there. Yeah, it, yeah. it looks yeah. a lot like Serenity. In, in general shape, it looks like a square Serenity. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of design choices on this that make absolutely no sense, but it's memorable looking, and that's the most important part, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It kind of so looks then, like a, uh, uh, a vulture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so then, uh, exactly. We get a, a battle sequence of Japanese space insectoid aliens flying around in things where the interior shot looks amazingly like a TIE fighter against Barry and Shiro in gun emplacements, which look identical amazingly. to the ones on the Millennium Falcon. Like the Millennium Falcon, yes, exactly. And the old X-Bomber is getting the shit kicked out of it, which was kind of yeah. fun to see. Like, yeah, yeah. it wasn't the standard, like, this is awesome, and we just pancake bitches. It's getting fucked up. Like, I thought watching the scene that there was going to be something where they were like, Dr. Ben, we're getting hit. And Dr. Ben's going to be like, we have Space War three proven armor, and they right. can't get through it or whatever. No, they're yeah. getting smoked. Yeah, like, just like, absolutely... She can take well, it. Well, what what I was actually expecting was there to be that scene where they go, if he, our shields are down or, or whatever, we're getting our asses kicked. Dr. Ben, what do we do? And he's going to be like, well, it's time for us to deploy the secret weapon. Yeah. And then they go to the robot. Spoilers, there's a robot in this series. I thought 
that it was they a fucking bold ass, a fucking bold ass choice to not have the robot come out in the first episode. Their secret weapon is they crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, onto they, the surface of the they, moon. They play possum. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And they all get simultaneously knocked out. Yep. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. Is that the X bombers? God. There's a shot right here. If you go, if you go back in the episode to twenty one oh three, where Shiro is laying on the ground, and it looks like it, it, it looks like he wrote it on it with crayon. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely does. Like his it's helmet like, has just the chicken scratch in crown. Like, do you remember Officer Doofy it. in not another teen movie or whatever? Where he's like Officer Doofy. Like oh, it yeah, seriously yeah. looks like that style of writing on Shiro's an idiot. And also, because of the lighting and the way he's done the R, it looks like his name is Shippo. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I'm Shiro! I'm Shippo! I'm Shippo. So, I'm here to run uh, the ship. Actually, I was I was really impressed with the way that they ended this episode on a, like, no shit, like, the ship is fucking crashed. Yeah, Our heroes could possibly point. dead. Yeah. And a little teaser for next week... The very next scene, after the, like, wee, like, very solemn, somber, like, you think the ship is toast, is Lamia driving a Jeep on the surface of the fucking moon? And, like, (laughs) driving, like... Yes. Like Grand Theft Auto. Like she's in the Baja 1000. (laughs) Too fast, too furious seven. And I'm not saying Jeep like this is a space Jeep. No, this looks like, like I had an a open 19... air Jeep. Yes. Yeah. Back when I was in my twenties, I had a nineteen eighty five Jeep CJ seven. It was bumblebee yellow with black side pipes. It looked just like that, but it's gray. Yeah. And she's just bouncing across the surface of the moon in this Jeep without a spacesuit on. It has windshield wipers too. And her and, and the moth jerk off monster are in there and she's just driving it. Well, so we're, while we're getting while giving dive bomb from every direction yeah. by yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's definitely a, a yeah. commercial for like a 1982 Toyota Land Cruiser. Like that's amazing. It's an RC car driving through an obstacle course of firecrackers. Well, yes, we know what it is. <laughs> we know yeah. what it is, but the fact that the design choice was like, let's make this look like a Jeep. Probably the design choice was let's paint it gray. And this is the model that we bought. So, <laughs> and we're also going to put a satellite on top of it. Yeah. yeah, tape some shit to it and put these puppets in it. I love it. And that's uh, that's the conclusion of what happened in the first episode of Starfleet X Bomber. I think it was I think it was a little bit better and simultaneously worse than the first one we watched. The first one we watched told a little bit more of a kind of distilled story, whereas this was just trying to introduce everything. This was just kind of a montage of like, this is this person, and this is what they do, and that's that person, and that's what they do. And I'll bet you guys a friggin' beer that we don't hear from the general at all for the remainder of the show. Um, <laughs> I guess I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, well, I feel, I feel here, like here's, we've... Here's, I've, I've looked at the episode tiles. I think he might come back in the last two episodes. Here's that's a question amazing. I have. The question I have here is that they, the bad guy showed to Pluto. Mm-hmm. They fuck up Pluto's ship. In the meantime, while they're trying to figure out what's going on with Pluto, the Earth defenses fly the three best pilots from Jupiter to Earth's moon. 
And then from Earth's moon, they take off in the, the X-Bomber where they fight the bad guys. So they've obviously made it all the way to Earth's moon by that point in time. True. Well, they're traveling at hyperspeed. They're, yeah. Well, they were traveling Whoa. at quantum speed. Now they're traveling at hyperspeed. Um, how many quatillions was it? Uh, I don't know. Didn't they say there were three parsecs? In there somewhere, they I mean, have the, the, they have the some words made that they're up. tossing out. Yeah. yeah, if they went to those speeds, they would just like the solar system would be gone. Just well, and also like it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Quantum speed, like that's like well, quantum like, speed is very clearly faster than tertiary speed. I disagree. Which I mean, is <laughs> faster than secondary speed. If you're traveling which is at a, faster than primary speed at a quantum level, like you're not really going very far. No, you're not. But yeah. it's it's slower than quintum speed or sextum speed, <laughs> and definitely on a magnitude slower than decimal speed. Quint- so I mean, quintum speed is the name I'm going to use when um, they make my life into a movie. Hi, I'm so, quintum speed. So my <laughs> the my actual be four seconds long. <laughs> so my actual question about all this is is this: Do we think that the bad guys destroy Earth in the next episode? Because they're obviously there. That would put a real like no gal- uh, battleship. Um, fuck Galactica Galactica, Galactica yeah, spin Galactica. on on the story. That I could see this going that direction, but. I don't think they do. I seem to remember in episode 14 them saying they have two months left to save Earth. Okay. Because there's, there's something, and okay. we don't know what it is yet. Uh, the, and this is kind of there's the last, two months left until say, the year 3000. Yeah, two months left And there was something till the year 3000. Like, I think we're going to find out later on that in the year 3000, I don't know, fucking Jesus comes back and ends the space war. <laughs> How amazing would that be? Yeah. I'm it's just a picture- hard left turn in a religion. Oh. <laughs> I mean, just like Battleship Galactica. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, yeah. But who knows? I can't Maybe wait to see the Jesus amazing hair of that puppet. <laughs> Jesus comes back from the fucking dead, and, uh, you know, the rapture happens, and... and Captain America and fucking Centipede Boy and the Emperor and racist alien Japanese whatever you want to call them they all yeah. just go to hell except except for um, uh, Captain America's uh, helmet because Captain America's helmet will get saved by our Lord Jesus Christ the yeah. Savior of all oh mankind. or do you think and how much- do you think that the symbiote <laughs> is controlling like Worm Tongue Captain America and Captain America is actually a good guy. But she put on the helmet of truth, the helmet of power, and now I think she's I a willing know. vessel. I think she's a willing vessel for the yeah, I the, think she's evil the uh, emperor's psi brain that lives well, in half of her skull. Which, I think by the she... way, I did not pick that up last week. At oh all. no, no, I don't think anybody did. That made me really love her a lot more. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely like like I had mentioned earlier. That gave me a little bit of a chub. Like that was definitely like a ooh. Mm, talk mm. to me more, Captain America's helmet. Mm, mm. She's got a little face on her face. Mm. Oh, yes. I was like, oh, man, these guys are not going to be disappointed in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the, the It's very weird to think about this being made by a Japanese company because the bad guys, maybe it's just the voices, but they seem so very clearly Japanese. Well, in all fairness, it was dubbed by the British 
well after the yes. fact. So mm-hmm. the fact that Captain America's name is Captain America, there might be, I don't know, maybe in the original version she actually had like an American accent. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> or I could see her like, ah, oh, the Empress Colin. Good day, mate. <laughs> no, the Australians are not here to invade the fucking galaxy. Shit, dog. They would no. if they could. If they get their shit together, they'd do it. I know if that. They, oh, if yeah. they stop drinking for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and quit going to the beach with their shirts off. And fighting giant. I mean, they have abs. Fucking they go to the beach. And fucking koalas. Tarantulas. Yeah. Fighting giant spiders. Let me ask this, boys. Are we all still in love with the series? Is, is the love yeah. still there? You know, like, it's not the kind of fiery, hot excitement of our of our first initial night together. But, you know, we're settling into a room and we're learning about each other. And in the end, I think it's going to be better for both of us. So from <laughs> from the spreadsheet, we, we kind of addressed, I think that needs to be a, a common theme of, like, what was what was the scene in the episode where we were like, oh, yeah, this hits. We I think everyone addressed that tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah. We did. We did. Okay, from the spreadsheet, David has one. Uh, what is the best special effect? And I like that. Ooh. I think we, we need to do the best special effect. Honestly, the specialist effect for me were the Lamia's bangs. <laughs> <laughs> that is a solid special effect. Not not the way that the general's beard moved when he talked. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's flipping around that was from his like, chin. That wasn't special. It was a distracting effect. So I'll actually give a, a, a fairly serious answer to this one. The How thing that I thought visually you. was was cool was the absolutely ridiculous start sequence oh yeah. like i think yeah. i think that was and matt you had you had mentioned it earlier i think that was the director might have been like the prop maker and he wanted to show off all the aspects of this spaceship yeah and venting steam and there's there's different angled shots that we didn't see in episode 14 yeah they did a lot of close-ups like the windows on the spaceship light up from from inside yeah I, yeah, I, I get the feeling that we, as the audience, were supposed to be like, this is so cool. I'm in, I, I'm in now in love with Starfleet X-Bomber. With the ship. I'm in love with the X-Bomber, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I want, yeah. I want to throw down my hard-earned yen for a copyright 2001 Starfleet X-Bomber model kit with wet decals. With wet decals. And paint battle damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's things in this in which the puppet's hands are manipulating switches. Yeah. Like it's the really well done. Yeah. Yeah. And the switch, and, and when they push the switch, it's not just a like it flips the switch. Like the switch gets flipped, and then lights come on and everything. Derek, you are so of- gullible. Yeah. There's just another guy inside the switch part. <laughs> It's, I, the, it's the some switch it's, is a puppet too. Yeah. It's some guy's hand yeah. that is inside of the puppet hand that they just did a close up of that hand. Yeah. And then no. uh, inside the, the switch chart is just another guy's hand and underneath yeah. the this the other the, I'm the not first guy's just down the magic sl- he smacks and the guy in the in the, the side and he remembers to flip the switch. And you know what's Listen, in that I... in that guy's hand <laughs> is a puppet okay. hand with another guy's hand in it. Yeah. And you know they're not really talking. 
It's actual people. They record the dialogue separately, <laughs> you, and then Matt. they play it back. <laughs> you dickhead. <laughs> I'm answering the question of what the best special effect was. I'm not breaking no. down how they did it. I know, and that's why you need to be punished. To that end, oh, uh, uh, Derek, I, I also had a very technical special effect that I... It wasn't even a special effect. It was more of a technique that I really enjoyed, and it goes back to what you were talking about with the design of the puppets. So if you go to 1334, okay. there's actually the scene, the, the timestamp scene, where they're looking at the X-Bomber, and they get a call from command, and Dr. Ben turns around to walk to the terminal, and it shows the movement of him walking, and he turns his head around, and then his body goes with him, and as he's walking, his body kind of moves, like he's moving, his, swaying his shoulders back and forth, and it actually has a pretty good appearance of the movement of walking, and I thought that that was very well done in that particular moment. It's just a guy moving his hands up and down. Yes, compared <laughs> compared to the movement in episode 14 where they move like a bunch of South Park characters. Well, yeah, in episode 14 yeah. where they just sort of put him inside of a little box and then just shook the box up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were just tired by that point. So my serious answer is not the banks, but if you go to the timestamp 019, you can see a slow pan uh, over the Earth across a star field to reveal a galaxy. And it is so shaky, it's clearly been done by hand. <laughs> and uh, zero 019? Zero 019, that's in the intro. Yeah, it's so clearly done by hand, and it's entirely, like, they control every aspect of this set, and it's microscopic. Why did they, why were they filming it by hand? <laughs> I don't know. They could have moved the set. That's true, that's true. <laughs> they could, you're right, they could have had a, a hard-mounted camera and just moved it. Yeah, they, they're like, well, we gotta, we gotta use the, you know, mom's tripod, so we can't move the camera, so we'll just move the set. <laughs> Other things that I really like about this show... Again, we're probably not going to see them again, but the Earth Defense Force, like, kind of command staff uniforms, they're all different, kind of in the way that, like, Star Trek or whatever be. Like, the general had red pauldrons and a red thing, and then other guys had white. So they designed this show with evidently some amount of lore in mind of, like, hey, why would you wear white on your collar, or why would you wear red on your collar, or whatever. I don't think we're ever going to get an explanation for that. But no, no, no. I don't. It's just, I don't think it's that very well thought out. I I don't think they have a consistent like system for the uniforms for Starfleet. But maybe that's the kind of nerding maybe that they you do. know that yeah. you know. Uh, guys, I mean, guys I don't understand don't why Captain Carter do. looked like fucking a beatnik. But like, go look at the Earth Defense Force, like the the headquarters guys. Like they have different different color collars and, and everything else. I'll bet you any amount of money that they designed this thinking that, like, hey, the guys with the white are staff and the guys with the red are Yeah, they're bitch-ass rank. I guess there's there's a, um, another question behind here. Is this based off of a manga? Or is this no, an original piece? No, this is completely piece? independent. Yeah. This is an original piece of art. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. This well. is the purest. This is what the creator intended. You're looking it's at the so ultimate form of what was intended from yeah. Starfleet X Bomber. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't get more X Bomber than this. It doesn't get more X 
than this. Mm-mm. And X is going to give it to you. Yeah, I, you got to give it to not, him. He's going to give it to you. We have not seen it get X or Bombery yet. The only thing that's happened to it, it's gotten shot the fuck down. Yes. It went down like a bomb. As a matter of fact, every single one of the Earth vessels in this show got shot down. Hmm. That was a good point. Yeah. Yep. And we still and haven't seen I've... the Die AX yet. Like, I, I'm, I'm waiting for, like, the money shot reveal for that. Like, is that something that... It was in the intro, but we see it for, like, it was. just a few seconds. I would, I would surmise. I mean, we've seen it. I'll bet you that's going to be the thing that saves the day. Oh, no, I'm sure. Gets X bomber sure. back on it on its feet or whatever. I, I kind of like the fact that they like they kick the shit out of our heroes. Oh no, you know yeah, you don't yeah. see that in a lot of you know and maybe maybe in in some of the Japanese cartoons and anime and stuff like that. It's a little bit more vicious than it is in from what I grew up with in American stuff. But like the heroes would never have their ship shot down. Well, yeah. the, like the Millennium yeah. Falcon would never have gotten blasted out of the sky. What are you talking about? Like, like the, the thing can't barely fly. That's the whole joke. Well, that's because they can't fucking fix it. Because they suck at maintenance. They suck at learning how to fly things. They can fly it. They just can't fix it to save their fucking life. It was like that. This kind of masterful storytelling, where they took the idea of a pilot and they stretched it over two episodes. This is why I got into film. This. <laughs> Right. This is my right. Mulholland Drive. This I love it. Is is my another famous Chinatown? Movie. Yeah, this is my Chinatown. This is your <laughs> Debbie Does Dallas. This is my Young Einstein. <laughs> so we have to go deep into the reasons of things like why Kiari, the Moth Monster, he's assigned to Lamia when it's only her. And Dr. Ben. Yeah, yeah. So so he's there to protect her from Dr. Ben. Yeah, exactly. I was you, just about to say. <laughs> you know Dr. Ben is a pedo. Look at yeah, those well, widow yeah, weeks. Yeah, there, there's a reason they sent him to like an isolated moon base. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he's yeah. not allowed to live on a planet with schools or playgrounds. Well, <laughs> and, and yeah. there's like the, the minimum range is uh, 500,000 miles. And John Lee and Barry Hercules even say to Shiro... Hey, what's going on here? Doesn't your father essentially run this whole program? And Shira says, uh, "This is the X Bomber program. I don't, I don't know anything about it. He's not part of that." So yeah, obviously, they've also that his separated. His dad is on Mars. But they, they also, so they obviously separated Doctor Ben away from all the scientists, even to be in an isolated outpost all on his own. Well, here's the th- here's my theory: is that uh, Hagen's father made the r- giant robot. And Dr. Ben mm. made the Starfleet Bomber X. Oh, And they're okay. supposed to work together. Mm. And the that would actually make sense to kind of fit into some of the Japanese tropes and other TV series they do if, like, yeah. the yeah. robot is hardwired to Shiro right. because of his father's yeah. work on it. Yeah, yeah where your father yeah. is a genius, and uh, you get to bank on that genius. Here's my theory. Interesting. Here's my theory. Shiro's father works on the X on Mars, winds up hooking up with Ben to go get everything put together. But Ben was actually experimenting on trying to create a, a sex doll, a living sex doll. Mm, yes. And that's I'm when he made Lamia. put this nonsense together. Oh, that's and where I, he got a PPA. PPA, exactly. 
seeing what was going on, Shiro's father was disgusted and tried to put a stop to things and got zapped by whatever rays mm-hmm. Dr. Ben was using on Lamia, and that turned him into Kirara. Wow. So later on in the series, Shiro's going to realize that Kirara is his father, and that's the reason why Kirara was masturbating behind his chair yes. at the party. Yeah. And th- and he's going to be like, oh my god, I've been watching my dad jerk it for years. <laughs> I could tell that technique anywhere. Dad? <laughs> oh my god. That's an interesting theory. I was actually waiting for there to be a reveal that uh, Dr. Ben was actually Shiro's dad. It's actually like Dr. Ben Hagen and like they knew each other, but like Shiro was trying to be professional by like not engaging his father as a I don't think they would that do personal that. Level. I don't think they I would do that because either. he's he's he Dr. Ben is clearly like the father in law trope. Yeah. He's not like he he's he's Lamia's father. Figure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think that by the end of the episode I was like, Yeah, they're probably not gonna be going that direction. But well, we know we know from episode fourteen that Lamia is not a secretary. You know, um, yeah, and we'll, we'll we learned in episode pe- fourteen people are complicated. Type. People can do more than one thing. You know, but she can't type. It was proven in episode fourteen, <laughs> so she's obviously not the secretary. You know, maybe in the yeah. future, it's all stenography. Oh, okay. But that's that's all I'm saying is that. We'll we'll see how they introduce it, but uh, I do I do like your idea that maybe Shiro's dad built the the mech suit the, no. the whatever. Uh, the I, I I honestly like I I like almost a hundred percent agree that that's going to be where they go with it, given what we know from Japanese storytelling. All right, bitches, so. let's see you put some money on this. Ooh, yeah, that could also be the the relationship uh, kind of thawing plot device between Dr. Ben and, and the uh, the pilots, too, is if he finds out that... <laughs> and then, God, I can't, I can't, just can't get over the fact that Shiro has his name written on the side just of his scrawled helmet. scrawled on his helmet. <laughs> yeah. Just like, he's like holding the, like the crayon in his fist, like, yeah. my name is Shiro, and I like drawings. He's doing it in the mirror. Yeah, well, well, yeah. because he why never not? takes a helmet off. <laughs> why can't he? Yeah. Why can't he write it in the in his underwear in like everybody stick. else? Because he's Shiro. He has to have it on his fucking Shippo. helmet. Shippo. His name is Shippo. 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 But Derek, you, you're you're an aviator. Doesn't uh, doesn't all aviators' helmets have their call sign written on it? Yeah, don't you have a don't you have a With helmet like, that says Maverick Wild Dog on it or something yeah, like that? So like every everybody's enabled. everybody's helmet has their name on it, and it's on the back of their helmet, so that when you slide it into your cubby, it's it's on like the back lower part, so you can see which one is yours. So like when you go in and you get your helmet, you're like, oh, that one has your last name or your call sign or whatever on it. It's not written down the side of your fucking helmet in pink lipstick. (laughs) (laughs) Like the the sexiest Dear John letter. So, what do we think for next week's episode? I think we should do the next Starfleet Bomber bomber for this series. I propose that we follow a very controversial format. We do episode two of Starfleet Bomber. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Any predictions? 
anything that you think is going to wind up happening that you want to uh, you see ha- you want to see happen? I, I think it's episode? going to be more than just a car uh, driving. Whoa! <laughs> I don't know. I think there's According going to be more to preview, scenes than that. <laughs> According to the preview, I don't know. See, I think what's going to happen is they're going to detach the X or the robot. Yes, portion. the robot. And the robot is basically going to be there to help do some initial maintenance for the Starfleet Bomber X and do some sort of have some sort of uh, victorious battle that can then, like, give the good guys something to rally behind. I think so. I think that the robot will come out, the robot will smash some baddies, and And drive the bad guys away in some way. The robot. Yeah, that's probably the most logical course of action. I'm really hoping that the Jeep plays a big role in this. Well, the Jeep was the entire preview, so... Okay, here's what I... You have, to, you have to imagine it does. Here's really what I hope and pray. I hope and pray that there's a little ramp in the back of Starfleet X, and the Jeep just drives up inside of it. <laughs> That's what <laughs> that I really want amazing. to happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. I am pretty sure that that is what they're going to try to convey, but I don't think they have the budget <laughs> to build a ramp. <laughs> To actually, to actually have the RC car drive into it, so unfortunately, it'll be cheaper than having them get out of the car and then like get into the exterior of the ship. I think they have some uh, scaling issues though with the two. To be perfectly honest, mm. so good point. What I really hope for is I really hope that the the cruiser actually destroys Earth, and that the <laughs> uh, and that the, the main bad guy is like pissed. At uh, Captain America, and then forces Captain America to like do the secondary mission that they were there to do, despite the fact that the Earth was destroyed. And from this point forward, like all the good guys are like on either Mars or the Moon or some other colony in a different part of the solar system, and they're trying to beat the bad guys for revenge for blowing up the Earth. That's my hope. I think wow. it's going to be a Robotech start. I don't think they do that, <laughs> yeah. though. I don't think they do either, but that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Oh, I want... I mean, I think what's better than blowing up the Earth? They put, like, a force field around it, and they're stealing it in some way. Ooh. <laughs> a Star Control 2 start. <laughs> yes. Nice. They're like, that's a nice Earth you got there. Uh, I think we're going to take it we're home with us. Take it. There's only, like, 15 people on it. We could beat yeah. them up. <laughs> We're gonna do like an alien version of bum fights with these fuckers. <laughs> awesome. I'm down with that. Gentlemen, it has been an honor and a privilege. We got a little off the rails tonight. No big deal. No, and we did. It we'll, is... we'll fix it in post, though. We didn't yeah. have that many rails when we started. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, just like all adults, we need. Very much carrots and sticks to keep us in line. It's all I ask. We need super inappropriate call signs for everybody. Please, that's... please, Republican overlords, just tightly control my life with a series of car- <laughs> car- carrots and sticks. I demand it. I'm begging for it. Well, then email your local Mike. <laughs> have him make sure... That his political beliefs are aligned with yours. Hey guys, Mike is my local Mike. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. He moved up to you. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he's in Jersey now. I knew if he's I held out Yeah, I knew yeah. if I held that long enough, I'd get all the mics. <laughs> mm. Nice. A local mic. Anyway, it has been an honor, a privilege. And it's a, always fun. And a pawner. I hope next week has a little bit more maneuverability for jokes. Maneuverability. This, this episode was, was very, very dry. I don't know. I still enjoyed it. I still yeah, think we yeah, got a couple no. of bangers out of no, it. No, so. I, I did. I, we, we got a couple gems. I yeah, thought yeah. last week had a lot more, though. I think we had a little and bit I, more last I week, think, yeah. Yeah, I think as we go along, we'll get more. You know, last night was the hot one. Last time was the hot one night stand, and this is yeah. the, like, again, like. It's like the morning after. The day yeah, after. This yeah. is the getting to know us part where it's no longer as um, crazy. But salacious, yeah. But um, you know, in the long term, that they're going to learn every part of us and pleasure us in ways we've never been pleasured. Mm -hmm. I'm dude, this shit's on fucking DVD or not DVD. I keep saying that, yeah, DVD Blu ray, yeah, Blu ray. Like, (laughs) hell yeah, I want to buy this. Do you even have a Blu ray player anymore? On my PS5, yeah, yeah. Ah, gotcha. Nice, nice. Mm. Well, for amazingly x terrible i have been the talent and i have been the cute one i've been podcaster david and i'm barry hercules you <laughs> fucking wish nice that's gonna like be said, every we every week in <laughs> we're both pilots mm-hmm. we sure as shit can't play the guitar yeah we're both pilots and we both have massive dogs Send a message across the sky. Star Amazingly Fleeable is part of the Amazingly Terrible family of podcasts.